Welcome, everyone, to episode 96 of Ohio Unsolved. I'm your host, Matthew, and I've got some pretty wild stories for you guys today. So let's just get right into it. Everyone sit back, make sure to lock your doors and windows, and get ready for Ohio Unsolved. Our first story was sent to me on Facebook. A father was murdered, the wife is a suspect, and the police still have little information. This is everything sent to me by the daughter of the deceased. On March 25, 2023, around 12 a.m., my father, Travis Rush, would be brought to a local hospital by his wife, Heather. From there, He went into emergency surgery to be treated for a gunshot wound, where they would immediately remove half of his stomach in an attempt to save his life. During this crucial time, his wife would be questioned by the police, where she stated that my father was shot in a family dollar parking lot on Oakland Park Avenue by an unknown and unseen suspect, which she would later admit was not true. These actions hindered my father's investigation for nearly two weeks while he remained in the hospital fighting for his life. During this time, Heather would use her rights as his legal spouse to set up limitations with the hospital in regards to who can visit my dad or get any information, in which you would need a pen that was created by her. On numerous occasions, my family would go to the hospital only to be escorted out or denied information. The hospital could not even confirm or deny that he was even a patient there due to the restrictions that she had set in place. On April 3rd, 2023, after a number of issues with the hospital, Heather would finally get herself banned from the hospital for stealing from the gift shop. At this point, she refused the family to sign over rights or even give up the pen, leaving my father completely alone, still fighting for his life, and unknown to family at the time, still needing another major surgery, for which hospitals would continuously call his wife in an attempt to get permission to perform this surgery. Ultimately, the doctors would make the decision for my father to have the surgery in an attempt to save his life. April 6, 2023, family members would receive phone calls from Heather stating that there was no longer any restrictions to visit my father in the hospital 
as he is no longer expected to make it and will likely go into cardiac arrest. Once the family arrived, we would later learn that it was said that my father had no family and no kids. April 7th, my father tragically passed away from his injuries, and his case now becomes a homicide. May 5th, 2023, Heather fails her polygraph test, and her story has changed numerous times leading up to this point. Now, to November 10th, 2023. Seven long months later, my heart has ached every single day and will continue to do so for the rest of my life. If my father being shot wasn't enough, how he was treated in the hospital, being left there, not able to have his family around, is sickening. First, let me start off by saying that I'm deeply sorry for your loss. If anyone listening knows any details, there is a reward for credible information, and that leads to the arrest of the person who committed this murder. According to the daughter, it is believed that the wife either shot him herself, or at the very least knows who shot him, and is being uncooperative with the police. And now on to our second story. Our next story is about a serial killer, Otis Toole. Otis Elwood Toole was a serial killer who was convicted of six counts of murder. Like his companion, Henry Lee Lucas, Toole made confessions which resulted in murder convictions and which he later recanted. The discrediting of the case against Lucas for crimes for which Toole had offered corroborating statements created doubts as to whether either was a genuine serial killer or, as Hugh Ainsworth suggested, both were merely compliant interviewees whom police used to clear unsolved murders from the books. Toole would receive two death sentences, but on appeal they were commuted to life imprisonment. He died in his cell from cirrhosis at age 49. The police attributed the 1981 murder of Adam Walsh to Toole on the basis of recanted statements. Lucas had backed Toole's confession to the Walsh murder, claiming that he had been in possession of the victim's severed head, though Lucas had a reputation for false confessions. Otis Toole was born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida. Toole's father was an alcoholic who abandoned him, while his abusive mother would dress him in girls' clothing and call him Susan. As a young child, he was a victim of sexual abuse and forced incest at the hands of many close relatives and acquaintances, including his older sister and a next-door neighbor. He stated that his maternal grandmother was a Satanist who exposed him to various satanic practices and rituals in his youth, including grave robbing. Otis claimed this abuse began when he revealed his homosexuality to his family. Otis was often classified as having a mild intellectual disability with an IQ of 75. He also had epilepsy, which resulted in frequent grand mal seizures. Throughout his childhood, 
he frequently ran away from home and often slept in abandoned houses. He was a serial arsonist from a young age and was sexually aroused by fire. In the documentary, Death Diploma, Otis stated that he was forced to have sex with a friend of his father's when he was five years old. He felt he knew that he was gay when he was ten years old and that he had a sexual relationship with a neighborhood boy when he was 12. Otis dropped out of school in the ninth grade and began visiting gay bars. He also stated that he had been a prostitute as a teenager and that he became obsessed with gay pornography at some point. Otis stated that he committed his first murder at the age of 14 after being propositioned for sex by a traveling salesman. Otis ran over the salesman with his own car. He was first arrested at the age of 17 in August 1965 for loitering. Much information on Otis Toole between 1966 and 1973 is unclear, but the authorities believe that he began drifting around the southwestern United States and that he supported himself by prostitution and panhandling. While living in Nebraska, Otis was one of the prime suspects in the 1974 murder of 24-year-old Patricia Webb. Shortly after, he left Nebraska and briefly settled in Boulder, Colorado. One month later, he became a prime suspect in the homicide of 31-year-old Ellen Holman, who was murdered on October 14, 1974. With many accusations against him, Otis left Boulder and headed back to Jacksonville. In early 1975, Otis returned to Jacksonville after drifting and hitchhiking through the American South. On January 14, 1976, he married a woman 25 years older than him. She left him three days later after, after discovering his homosexuality. Otis later said during an interview that his marriage was a tactic meant to conceal his true sexuality. In 1976, Otis met Henry Lee Lucas at a Jacksonville soup kitchen, and they likely developed a sexual relationship. Otis later claimed to have accompanied Lucas in 108 murders, sometimes committed at the behest of a cult leader, the Hands of Death. Police, however, discounted the uncorroborated claim of the cult's existence. On January 4, 1982, Otis barricaded 65-year-old George Sonnenberg in a boarding house where he was living in Jacksonville, and he set the house on fire. Sonnenberg died a week later of injuries that he sustained in the fire. In April 1983, Otis was arrested for an unrelated arson incident in Jacksonville. He confessed to the crime and was sentenced to 20 years in prison. He signed a confession stating that he and Sonnenberg had begun a sexual relationship and after the two had an argument, Otis set Sonnenberg's home on fire. Two months later in June, his accomplice Henry Lee Lucas was arrested for unlawful possession of a firearm. It was then Lucas began boasting about the murderous rampage orchestrated by the two. At first, Otis had denied involvement, but later began backing up Lucas's confessions. 
Lucas also backed Tool's confessions to the murder of Adam Walsh. Journalist Hugh Ainsworth and others investigated for articles that appeared in the Dallas Times-Herald. It was calculated that Lucas would have had to use his 13-year-old Ford station wagon to cover 11,000 miles in one month, about 370 miles per day, to have committed the crimes police attributed to him. Lucas became widely regarded as a compliant interviewee who was used by police to clear up unsolved murders that he had not been involved in, aided by Tool giving false statements in collaboration. During Otis's trial for murdering George Sonnenberg, Otis claimed that he did not light the home on fire and only signed the confession so he would be extradited back to Jacksonville. On April 28, 1984, a jury found Otis guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced him to death. Later that year, he was found guilty of the February 1983 strangulation murder of a 19-year-old Tallahassee, Florida woman and received a second death sentence. On appeal, however, both sentences were later commuted to life in prison. After his incarceration, Otis pled guilty to four more Jacksonville murders in 91 and received four more life sentences. On October 21, 1983, while he was imprisoned for two unrelated murders, he confessed to the 1981 murder of six-year-old Adam Walsh. A few weeks after Otis made the confession, however, police officers who were investigating the case announced that they had lost Tool's impounded car and machete. John Walsh, Adam's father, continues to believe that Tool was guilty. On October 16, 2008, 27 years after the 1981 murder, Hollywood, Florida, police announced that Otis Tool was the murderer and the Adam Walsh case was closed. The police did not reveal any new physical evidence and pointed out that they still had no DNA evidence. In 1984, Tool confessed to two unsolved Northwest Florida slains, including one of the I-10 murders. During an interview, he admitted to killing 18-year-old David Scollart, a hitchhiker who he picked up east of Pensacola. Scollart's body, bearing five gunshot wounds in the left side of the head, was found on February 6, 1980, approximately 125 feet off of I-10's eastbound lane five miles east of Chipley. The second confession involved the death of 20-year-old Ada Johnson. Otis confessed that he shot her in the head on a road outside of Fort Walton Beach after kidnapping her at gunpoint at a Tallahassee nightclub. Psychiatrists Dr. Urbina and Dr. Sanchez testified at Otis's 1984 Florida Supreme Court appeal that he was extremely impulsive and exhibited antisocial behavior as a result of a personality disorder and that he was a pyromaniac. The court found sufficient evidence that Tool could be diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. Otis claimed that he picked Walsh up 
in a Sears Mall parking lot. Otis stated that Adam came willingly because he offered him candy and toys. Adam soon wanted to go home and began to cry. Tool said that he then punched him in the face. Walsh started to cry again, and according to Otis, he began to whoop Walsh, Walsh knocking him out. Otis eventually pulled over in a rural area and decapitated him with a machete. He drove around with Adam Walsh's head for several days, forgot about it, and after he rediscovered it, he tossed it into a nearby canal. Police officers inexplicably lost Otis's impounded car and its blood-stained carpeting, hindering their ability to proceed with the investigation into Adam Walsh's murder. Hollywood, Florida Police Chief Chadwick Wagner said that Otis had been the prime suspect all along, but he went on to admit that although Tool's case was weak, he could have been charged during the original investigation of it. Wagner acknowledged the fact that many mistakes were made by the department and apologized to the Walsh family on its behalf. Wagner also acknowledged the fact that the lack of new evidence and the inability of Otis to defend himself could provide room for skeptics to doubt his guilt, saying, quote, if you're looking for that magic wand, that one piece of evidence, it's not there. However, after the police re-examined previously uncorrelated evidence, they and the Walsh family were both satisfied with the new report and the existing evidence which only points to Otis Tool. Tool died of cirrhosis at the Florida State Prison on September 15, 1996, at the age of 49. His body went unclaimed, and he was buried in the Florida State Prison Cemetery. Based on everything that I've read, Otis Toole did, in fact, murder Adam Walsh. And now for the story of the disappearance and murder of Adam Walsh. Adam John Walsh was abducted from a Sears department store at the Hollywood Mall in Hollywood, Florida on July 27, 1981. His severed head was found two weeks later in a drainage canal alongside Highway 60 in rural Indian River County, Florida. His death garnered national interest and was made into the 1983 television film, Adam, seen by 38 million people in its original airing. Adam's father, John Walsh, became an advocate for victims of violent crimes, and he was the host of the television show, America's Most Wanted, and later, In Pursuit with John Walsh. Convicted serial killer, Otis Toole, confessed to Adam's murder, but was never convicted of the crime because of evidence was reportedly lost, and Toole would later recant his confession. Otis died in prison of liver failure on September 15, 1996. 
No new evidence has come to light since then, and police announced on December 16, 2008, that the Walsh case was closed, and they were satisfied that Tool was the killer. On the afternoon of July 27, 1981, Adam, accompanied by his mother, Reeve Drew, on a shopping trip to the Hollywood Mall in Hollywood, Florida. They went to Sears, entering through the north entrance. Reeve intended to inquire about a lamp that was on sale and left Adam at a kiosk with an Atari video game system on display where several other boys were taking turns playing. Reeve completed her business in the lamp department at around 12.15 p.m. She said that she returned to find that Adam and the other boys had disappeared. A store manager informed her that a scuffle had broken out over whose turn it was at the kiosk, and a security guard demanded that the boys leave the store. The security guard asked the older boys if their parents were present, and they said that they were not. Adam's parents later conjectured that their son had been too shy to speak to the security guard, who presumed that he was in the company of the other boys and made him leave by the same side door by which the boys had entered, the Sears West entrance. His parents believed that after the other boys dispersed, he was left alone outside the store at an exit unfamiliar to him. Meanwhile, unable to find Adam in the toy department, Reed had him paged over the public address system and continued to look for him throughout the store. By coincidence, she ran into her mother-in-law, Jean, who helped her search for Adam. After more than 90 minutes of searching and paging failed to locate him, Reeve called the Hollywood police at 1.55 p.m. On August 10th, a severed head was found in a drainage canal alongside the Florida Turnpike near Vero Beach, almost 130 miles from Hollywood, by Detective Ralph E. Latimer, Jr., and an unidentified deputy of the Indian River County Sheriff's Office. Indian River County said St. Louis County divers searched the canal. On the morning of August 11th, John and Reeve appeared on national television, saying that they still hoped that Adam was alive. A U.S. $100,000 reward was posted for Adam's safe return. Soon after, the recovered remains were identified as Adam. The coroner ruled that the cause of Adam's death was asphyxiation. The state of the remains suggested that Adam had died several days before the discovery of his head. The rest of his body was never recovered. The head itself would be kept in the morgue until a case closure in 2008. John and Reeve knew that the Hollywood Police Department had botched the treatment of Adam's disappearance, first with the missing person investigation and then with the murder investigation. After some investigation, the police eventually concluded that Adam was abducted by a drifter named Otis Toole near the front exterior of Sears after being instructed to leave by a security guard. Otis said that he had lured Adam into his white 1971 Cadillac, which had a damaged right bumper, 
with promises of toys and candy, then proceeded to drive north on Interstate 95 towards his home in Jacksonville. According to Toole, Adam, at first docile and compliant, began to panic as they drove on. Otis punched him in the face, but as this just made the situation worse, he then walloped him unconscious. While Adam was unconscious, Toole drove north on the Florida Turnpike to a deserted service road just north of Raiden Ball Road overpass in northwest St. Lucie County. When Otis realized that Adam was still breathing, he strangled him to death with a seatbelt, dragged him out of the car, and decapitated him with a machete. Otis also claimed to have incinerated the body in an old refrigerator when he returned to Jacksonville. He claimed that he wanted to make Adam his adopted son, but that was not deemed feasible. The source of the blood found in Tool's car could not be identified. The police ultimately lost the bloodstained carpet from the car, the machete said to have been used to do decapitate Adam, and eventually the car itself. Otis, a confidant of convicted serial killer Henry Lee Lucas, repeatedly confessed and then retracted accounts of his involvement. Otis was never charged in Adam's case, although he provided seemingly accurate descriptions as to how he committed the crime. The 2019 Netflix miniseries, The Confession Killer, shows footage of him apparently being fed information from interrogators, and he later confessed to several cases he had no involvement in. Several witnesses also placed him in the Hollywood area in the days leading up to Adam's disappearance. In September 1996, he died in prison of cirrhosis at the age of 49 while serving a life sentence for other crimes. Later, his niece told John Walsh that he made a deathbed confession to Adam's murder. His confession was viewed as unreliable as he and Lucas confessed to or implicated themselves in more than 200 murders. Most of Lucas's confessions were later revealed to have been false, having been coerced by the Texas Rangers. In 1997, Hollywood Police Chief Rick Stone conducted an exhaustive review of Adam's case after the release of John's book. At the time, Stone was a 22-year veteran of the Dallas, Texas, and Wichita, Kansas Police Departments and had been appointed Hollywood's Chief of Police in the previous year. Although the crime happened 16 years before the time of his review, he provided an analysis of the evidence, including a review of taped interrogations of Otis by Hollywood detective Mark Smith. Stone says that his review found evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that Toole murdered Adam. Stone noted that both Toole and Lucas were notorious for confessing to crimes that they had committed and then recanting. In 2007, according to allegations that earned widespread publicity, Jeffrey Dahmer, who was arrested in Wisconsin in 1991 after killing more than a dozen men and boys, 
was also named as a suspect in Adam's murder. Dahmer's father called the America's Most Wanted hotline soon after his son's arrest to claim that he believed that his son was a pedophile. Dahmer was living in Miami Beach at the time of Walsh's murder, and two eyewitnesses placed him at the mall on the day that Adam was abducted. One claimed to have seen a strange man walking into the toy department. The other said that he saw a young, blonde man with a protruding chin throw a struggling child into a blue van and speed off. Both witnesses recognized the man they had seen as Jeffrey Dahmer when the pictures of him were released in the newspapers after his arrest. Reports revealed that the delivery shop where Dahmer worked had a blue van at the time. He preyed on young men and boys, with the youngest being eight years older than Adam, and his M.O. included severing his victims' heads. When he was interviewed about Adam Walsh in 1992, Dahmer repeatedly denied his involvement in the crime, even stating, quote, I've told you everything, how I killed them, how I cooked them, who I ate. Why wouldn't I tell you if I did it to someone else? However, it has been reported that Dahmer believed he would be killed in prison as a pedophile if he had confessed to Walsh's murder. After this rumor surfaced, John Walsh stated that he had seen no evidence linking Adam's abduction and murder to those that were committed by Jeffrey Dahmer. On December 16, 2008, the Hollywood police chief, Chad Wagner, with his friend John Present, made the announcement that the case was now officially closed. An external review of the case had been conducted, and police announced that they were satisfied that Otis Toole was the murderer. I remember hearing about that case a lot growing up, and I have to admit that I had no idea that they closed the case so long ago. Hopefully they had the right man the whole time, and his killer was not free to kill again. Well, that is going to do it for today's episode. I hope that everyone enjoyed the stories. If you did, could you please rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts? A five-star rating really helps others to find the show. Don't forget to join us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. If you do enjoy the show, please consider helping to support the show by subscribing on Patreon, with monthly bonus episodes being available from the $5 tier. Once again, thank you everyone for listening, and make sure to keep your doors and windows locked, and stay ready for Ohio Unsolved.